Welcome to another episode of the Womance Public Access Read-Along of Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. It's me, your odd chapter reader, Morgan. The punk rock. And I am your even chapter reader, Isabeau. What'd you, did you say punk rock? Yeah, it's entirely based on your outfit and your eyeliner. That's very smeary. It's great. It looks like you just came from, like, uh, uh, the Clash show. And, like, you know, you just got off the steamy underground. It's it's a vibe. Like, I'm not not into it. I actually just got done editing our episode of To Have and To Hold and uploading it. <laughs> so, so, well, yeah, so that seems right. That seems a right. A steamy underground it was. Okay. Um, But I'm excited to be back in front of the microphone Mm. (laughs) to read chapter 33 of Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. Mm -hmm. Isabeau, you read to me chapter 32 last time. What happened for those who forgot? Uh, Mr. Darcy showed up to Charlotte and Mr. Collins's house, expecting that all the ladies would be inside. And it was just Elizabeth. And he was like, this is great. Slash, I'm so surprised. And then Lizzie revealed that she's actually quite parochial in small town, and he didn't like it because it didn't mesh with his narrative that he built in his mind of Elizabeth. And then he spent the rest of the week showing up to the Collinses and uh, being kind of a weirdo, staring out windows and not talking to anybody while his cousin, the very hunky Colonel Fitzwilliam, uh, was making eyes and making chit-chat at Lizzie. Uh, Mrs. Collins, a.k.a. Charlotte, had some wish casting uh, for Lizzie between Mr. Darcy and uh, Fitzwilliam, but she's pretty sure that her wishes won't come true because Mr. Darcy's a weirdo and uh, Colonel Fitzwilliam is a second son. Absolutely no stone, no narrative stone left unturned in that summary. (laughs) I think that was 120 seconds. Um, The actual reading of the chapter is 400 seconds. So if you... (laughs) (laughs) These chapters are so short and they have so much stuff in them. (laughs) So much stuff happens. Well, we're in for another one. Chapter 33. More than once did Elizabeth and her ramble within the park unexpectedly meet Mr. Darcy. She felt all the perverseness of the mischance that should bring him where no one else was brought, and to prevent its ever happening again, took care to inform him, at first, that it was a favorite haunt of hers. How it could occur a second time, therefore, was very odd. Yet it did, and even a third. (laughs) It seemed like willful ill nature or a voluntary penance, for on these occasions it was not merely a few formal inquiries and an awkward pause and then away, but he actually thought it necessary to turn back and walk with her. (laughs) He never said a great deal, nor did she give herself the trouble of talking or of listening much, but it struck her in the course of their third rencontre. But he was asking some odd, unconnected questions (laughs) about her pleasure in being at Hunsford, her love of solitary walks, and her opinion of Mr. and Mrs. Collins's happiness. 
and that in speaking of Rosings and her not perfectly understanding the house, he seemed to expect that whenever she came into Kent again, she would be staying there, too. His words seemed to imply it. Could he have Colonel Fitzwilliam in his thoughts? She supposed, if he meant anything, he must mean an allusion to what might arise in that quarter. It distressed her a little, and she was quite glad to find herself at the gate in the pales opposite the parsonage. In re-perusing Jane's last letter and dwelling on some passages which provided that Jane had not written in spirits, when, instead of being again surprised by Mr. Darcy, she saw on looking up that Colonel Fitzwilliam was meeting her. Putting away the letter immediately and forcing a smile, she said, I did not know before that you ever walked this way. I have been making the tour of the park, he replied, as I generally do every year. and intend to close it with a call at the parsonage. Are you going much farther? No, I should have turned in a moment. And accordingly, she did turn, and they walked toward the parsonage together. Do you certainly leave Kent on Saturday, said she. Yes, if Darcy does not put it off again, but I am at his disposal. He arranges the business just as he pleases. And if not able to please himself in the arrangement, he has at least great pleasure in the power of choice. I do not know anybody who seems more to enjoy the power of doing what he likes than Mr. Darcy. He likes to have his own way very well, replied Colonel Fitzwilliam. But so we all do. It is only that he has better means of having it than many others, because he is rich and many others are poor. I speak feelingly. A younger son, you know, must be injured to self-denial and dependence. In my opinion, the younger son of an earl can know very little of either. Now seriously, what have you ever known of self-denial and dependence? Great question. (laughs) When have you been prevented by want of money from going wherever you chose or procuring anything you had a fancy for? These are home questions, and perhaps I cannot say that I have experienced many hardships of that nature, but matters of greater weight I may suffer from the want of money. Younger sons cannot marry where they like, unless where they like women of fortune, which I think they often do. Our habits of expense make us too dependent, and there are not many in my rank of life who can afford to marry without some attention to money. Is this thought Elizabeth, meant for me. And she colored at the idea, but recovering herself said in a lively tone, and pray, what is the usual price of an earl's younger son? Unless the elder brother is very sickly, I suppose you would not ask above fifty thousand pounds. He answered her in the same style, and the subject dropped. To interrupt a silence which might make him fancy her, affected with what had passed, afterwards said, I imagine your cousin brought you down with him chiefly for the sake of having somebody at his disposal. I wonder he does not marry to secure a lasting convenience of that kind. But perhaps his sister does well for the present, as she is under his sole care. He may do what he likes with her. No, said Colonel Fitzwilliam. That is an advantage which he must divide with me. I am joined with him in the guardianship of Miss Darcy. Are you indeed? And pray, what sort of guardians do you make? Does your charge give you much trouble? Young ladies of her age are sometimes a little difficult to manage, and if she has the true Darcy spirit, she may like to have her own way. 
As she spoke, she observed him looking at her earnestly, and the manner in which she immediately asked her why she supposed Miss Darcy likely to give them an uneasy, any uneasiness convinced her that she had somehow or other got pretty near the truth. She directly replied, "'You need not be frightened. I never heard any harm of her, and I dare say she is one of the most tractable creatures in the world.' She is a very great favorite with some ladies of my acquaintance, Mrs. Hurst and Miss Bingley. I think I have heard you say that you know them. I know them a little. Their brother is a pleasant gentleman-like man. He is a great friend of Darcy's. Oh, yes, said Elizabeth dryly. Mr. Darcy is uncommonly kind to Mr. Bingley and takes a prodigious deal of care of him. Care of him? Yes, I, I really believe Darcy does take care of him in those points where he most wants care. For something that he told me in our journey hither, I have reason to think Bingley very much indebted to him. But I ought to beg his pardon, for I have no right to suppose that Bingley was the person meant. It was all conjecture. What is it you mean? It is a circumstance which Darcy, of course, would not wish to be generally known, because if it were to get around to the lady's family, it would be an unpleasant thing. You may depend upon my not mentioning it. And remember that I have not much reason for supposing it to be Bingley. What he told me was merely this, that he congratulated himself on having lately saved a friend from the inconveniences of a most imprudent marriage. But without mentioning names or any other particulars, and I only suspected it to be Bingley from believing him the kind of young man to get into a scrape of that sort, and from knowing them to have gotten to have been together the whole of last summer. Dun, dun, dun. Did Mr. Darcy give you his reasons for this interference? Cool as a cucumber. Cool as a cucumber. <laughs> uh, did Mr. Darcy give you his reasons for this interference? <laughs> Is that cooler? <laughs> <laughs> uh, not that I care, but yeah, Mr. Darcy give you his reasons for this interference? I just, like, curious minds want to know. This is a great story, Fitzwilliam. Keep going. Keep going. I love the lush details. No names, no details. I understood that there were some very strong objections against the lady. And what arts did he use to separate them? He did not talk to me of his own arts, said Fitzwilliam, smiling. He only told me what I have told you now. Elizabeth made no answer and walked on, her heart swelling with indignation after watching her a little, Fitzwilliam asked why she was so thoughtful. I'm thinking of what you have been telling me, said she. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Your cousin's conduct does not suit my feelings. Why was he to be the judge? You are rather disposed to call his interference officious? I do not see what right Mr. Darcy had to decide on the propriety of his friend's inclination, or why, upon his own judgment alone, he was to determine and direct in what manner that friend was to be happy. But, she continued, recollecting herself, as we know none of the particulars, it is not fair to condemn him. It is not to be supposed that there was much affection in the case. That is not an unnatural surmise, 
said Fitzwilliam, but it is lessening the honor of my cousin's triumph very sadly. This was spoken jestingly, but it appeared to her so just a picture of Mr. Darcy that she would not trust herself with an answer, and therefore, abruptly changing the conversation, talked on indifferent matters till they reached the parsonage. There, shut into her own room, as soon as their visitor left them, she could think without interruption of all that she had heard. It was not to be supposed that any other people could be meant than those with whom she was connected. There could not exist in the world two men over whom Mr. Darcy would have such boundless influence. She does not believe he has very many friends. <laughs> That's such a sick burn. It is such a sick burn. There could not exist in the world two men over whom Mr. Darcy could have such boundless influence that he had been concerned in the measures taken to separate Mr. Bingley and Jane. She had never doubted, but she had all always attributed to Miss Bingley the principal design and arrangement of them. If his own vanity, however, did not mislead him, he was the cause. His pride and caprice were the cause of all that Jane had suffered and still continued to suffer. He had ruined for a while every hope of happiness for the most affectionate, generous heart in the world, and no one could say how lasting an evil he might have inflicted. So good. Not melodramatic at all. Yeah. <laughs> She's got a real level head about assessing the people involved. Yeah, totally. Totally this, chill. <laughs> this is the most relatable Lizzie Bennett has been to me. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> there were some very strong objections against the lady, were Colonel Fitzwilliam's words, and these strong objections probably were her having one uncle who was a country attorney and the other one who was in business in London. To Jane herself, she exclaimed, there could be no possibility of objection. All loveliness and goodness as she is, her understanding excellent, her mind improved, and her manners captivating. Neither could anything be urged against my father, who, though with some peculiarities, mm. has abilities which Mr. Darcy himself need not disdain, and respectability which he will probably never reach. That. Mm tracks <laughs> <laughs> you need to pull that uh, log out of your own eye there lizzie well get ready when she thought of her mother indeed her confidence gave way a little but she would not allow that any objections there had material weight with mr darcy whose pride she was convinced would receive a deeper wound from the want of importance in his friends connections than from their want of sense mm. and she was quite decided at last that he had been partly governed by this worst kind of pride and partly by the wish of retaining mr bingley for his sister the agitation and tears which the subject occasioned brought on a headache oh mm. and it grew so much worse towards the evening that added to her unwillingness to see Mr. Darcy. It determined her not to attend her cousins to Rosings, where they were engaged to drink tea. Mrs. Collins, seeing that she was really unwell, did not press her to go, and as much as possible prevented her husband from pressing her. But Mr. Collins could not conceal his apprehension of Lady Catherine's being rather displeased by her staying at home. That's the end of the chapter. And the whole book. That's the end of the whole book. Can you believe it? There's nothing else. That that was That's the pride and the prejudice. We've covered them both thoroughly. In the chapter. 
We should say home truths more often. I was just thinking that that is like the best phrase ever. There's, I've received a, a few TikToks. Thank you, Instagram followers. I was like, you can't be thanking me. <laughs> yeah. Of what um, someone on TikTok speculated, like what it must have been like to read um, Pride and Prejudice for the first time because they, they end up together, if you can believe it. And that it must have been like such a shock. But these past three chapters have just been like saturated with like clearly he likes her and she's willfully ignoring it. And then at the end, she takes it so much to heart, this betrayal, which would hardly be a betrayal if you were truly enemies, you know? Or truly indifferent. Yeah. I don't think she would weep like that. For either event. You know, cry so hard she could have hit it. She got a headache. Also, like, I love that, you know, she's like, he like meets her that first time and her ramble, another great phrase for just like walking around. <laughs> and she's like, well, I come this way all the time. You don't have to like meet me again. And then it's like a second time and then a third time. And it's so clear that he just like wants to be around her. And she's like, what the fuck are you doing? You weirdo. Why are you asking me these questions? And then he brings up everything that she talked about in chapter 32 when she was being a total fucking weirdo. He's like, yeah. what do you think about the happiness of the Collinses? You, you seem to think that they were not happy. Elaborate further. Yeah. He remembers, he wants to talk to he her remembers. about stuff he remembers she's interested in. Walks? Yeah. The Collinses. <laughs> How did he not know she was provincial? <laughs> that was mean. Clearly he wasn't, he wasn't paying very close attention at Netherfield. I, or like she struck him, as we talked about last time, as being not provincial. Right, exactly. Not overawed. I just love this, like... I love having to see around Lizzie and like that's what this chapter is forcing us to do. Yeah. It's also kind of like pre-setting the table for a little forgiveness that's going to be needed. It is wonderful. Like you said, exactly. It's so much fun to see around Lizzie this reading. It also struck me reading this chapter and there's that like viral Goodreads uh, review where it's like it's just a bunch of people going to each other's houses it's a fair review it's a fair review but like we talk about how repetitive the chapters are as well but it really works when you read it like chapter to chapter and you think about how it was originally conceived and written it all makes sense this might be the only way to read it which is out loud chapter by chapter uh with weird gaps of time in between i think that's right and i think like one of the things that's always worth remembering is like the regency is such a profoundly weird fucking period for england it's so much Mm. turmoil it's so much like unhinged shit just went down in france all you have for entertainment is like reading out loud to each other and like going to a concert maybe and like the joy that this book would give you as like it's funny, it's intimate, and, like, Lizzie's melodrama. That's the other thing about this, too, where it's, like, I think in our time, Lizzie is always so self-possessed and, like, controlled in, like, the iterations of Lizzie that we see. But, like, this Lizzie, Bridget Jones is much more like this. Yeah. Which makes me begin to think that, like, Bridget Jones might be the right adaptation in terms of vibes. (laughs) Vibes only, yeah. Vibes only adaptation. 
Mm -hmm. Well, that's all I have to say about this chapter because I'm getting so excited for our next tentpole action scene. And I hope I get to read it, but I think you get to read it. We'll see what happens. We'll see. Part of the, you know, even if you've read Pride and Prejudice a million times, the drama of what happens in which chapter number continues to captivate. It's true. 200 and some years later, this, this tome don't stop. With that, loosen your prides. And your prejudices. Definitely your prejudices. <laughs> I always say prejudices. I say hold on to your pride. I know. That's why I, like, I flipped it on this one. Like, So now we're talking about loosening two things. <laughs> you got to in this one. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Mwah. Wooly guacamole, everyone! Thanks for listening to another episode of Womance. Womance is hosted, produced, and edited by my friend Morgan. And by my friend Isabel. Our logo artwork is by another friend, Mary Reichman. You can find her on Instagram at m.reichman, spelled R-E-I-S-C-H-M-A-N-N. Original music by Nick Gravelin. And our webmistress is Jane Bonzak. They're the best. You're also the best. We so appreciate your support by listening. Please consider taking this to the next level by following, rating, and reviewing. We read every single review. Or even check us out on Patreon. If you'd like more woe in your life, you can connect with us on Instagram at womans and on Twitter where we are at mans underscore woe. Or you can find more episodes and content at womanspodcast.com. If you have an idea or just want to reach out, please email womancemail at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Womance is a part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts to add to your romance collection at frolic.media backslash podcasts. Until next time.